<laughs> What's happening, weirdos? That's right. Val's on these ones. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was like a Casey Kasem place. That's right. This one goes out to Johnny Galecki. Johnny, you're the big in Big Bang. And I'm the theory. <laughs> <laughs> um, we just recorded. This is now the intro. Um, you'll, if you listen all the way, I, I took my ring off to remember to say something and then I didn't say it. So in case that drives people crazy, I'll say it now. Guess who interrupted that time? That's right. Me. People still messaging me that I interrupt too much. Well, guess what? I interrupt too. So deal with it. So message me too. <laughs> um, I, it actually comes from somebody emailing me uh, that I interrupt too much, which happens. And uh, I started doing the work on Everyone Needs to Like Me. And I remember I said this to you, I was like, it, it felt so profound in the moment. I hope it makes sense now. I was like, everybody doesn't need to like me. In fact, if everybody likes you, nobody likes you. When yeah. people don't like you, that is the seesaw of people not liking you is what makes people liking you exist. That's right. Does that make sense? Yes. It's like, I only want forward. I can't have backwards. So that's just a little taste of the conversation we get into. But Val drops some incredibly helpful psychological and trauma wisdom. And we answer your questions. Yep. We and, got to a few questions. Quite a few. And I don't know if you can tell, we're, we're not recording in a car. Yep. So there's no noise. So I hope you enjoy it. Um, as we always mention, this episode is brought to us by, uh, this is the only thing we can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a like little work wise. I'm a little brain tired after we talk for two hours. Work wise is the only thing we can do. So a lot of very gracious people are like, how can we support you when you're not touring, when you're not making shows, whatever it might be? The best thing you can do, we don't have a Patreon, we don't have a donate, just buy a Pete Speck, and there's great stuff in every price point at our sponsor, Living Libations, which is a true Pete's pick, meaning it's something I've been using for many years. Living Libations is a natural, beautiful, and high-end, and very, very effective alternative to skin and body and dental care. Um, I use their shaving cream, which is called Zen Shave. I realized I was putting this anonymous, pressurized, unnatural blue goo on my face from 7-Eleven. And of course, we all know that things we put on our skin get into our bodies. And this has toxicity levels that's linked to disease and other bad stuff. So I was like, why am I being so careful about what I eat when I'm putting these strained... Or like I'd go to the mall. I'd go to fucking L'Occitane or something. I'd be like, this has to be nice. It's expensive. It's French. It's not. It's, it's Read the ingredients. You can't pronounce that stuff. It doesn't belong on anything organic. Use organic on your organic thing, which is your body. That's right. So get everything they have at Living Libations. You can read the ingredients. It's natural oils. It's beautiful stuff. I use their ginger exfoliating scrub. That's, that is a huge Love pro tip. It. Makes a huge difference. It's a great cleanser, but it's also a great pre-shaving ritual. I use that, and then I use the Zen Shave. It's made with plants and oils and extracts that I re- recognize. And it kicks the ass of like a St. Ives uh, exfoliating stuff. It has way more grit. It's way more exfoliating. Mm-hmm. So it's not some namby-pamby, middle-of-the-road sort of hippie knockoff. This is high-end 
and natural and premium and wonderful. And at Night Vale, you know I use the best skin ever moisturizer, which smells great, feels great, and it keeps my skin looking great, if I dare say so. <laughs> so, so whatever your skin needs, face, body, eyes, teeth, we even have Leela on the Living Libations baby stuff. It's a great thing you can do for yourself, and it's a great way to support this show. You even knew about them before I told you. Yeah, so I, well, you started using the best moisturizer ever, and uh, when I turned 30, I was... Like all of a sudden, I need. I definitely should be taking care of my skin. So I went to Goop because that's like the brand that I know, and instantly went to their page for like recommendations for more affordable things that are that still are very pure and organic. And I found the best moisturizer ever on that site. So it's Goop approved. So you went on your own journey and came back. Yeah, and I was like, wait a minute, this is already in my bathroom. I can just be using it, and I love to use it. I also use the ginger scrub, um, and that's like kind of got you covered. But if you want more, if you want a serum, if you want eye stuff, stuff, um, moisturizers, great stuff for your And then your teeth, there's uh, shampoos and conditioners. I found out I have really bad allergies, so I found out that parabens are like gnarly for your allergies so there's none of that that stuff that's in like basic shampoos and and pretty much all toiletry products yeah if you're not into the whole oh it's toxic for your body maybe it's it's your allergies it's it's, it has negative effects in palpable ways not in just like sub-perceptual maybe cellular ways that accumulate over time and manifest as some sort of weird ailment yes so yes there's a lot of benefits to using natural things on your body And and if you want to support the show and you don't feel like spending a lot of money just get a tongue scraper get get there yeah uh, uh, there's little things you can do uh, to show uh, that these ads are working and to support the show that's right and the baby stuff is really incredible as a mom you definitely i mean the babies are so fragile and their skin is so sensitive you have to like wash all their clothes before you put them on um all of that and so i was thrilled when i saw that they had baby stuff and they have little like toothpaste for it and things you can put on their gums and Mm. it's just really nice to know that the things that you're putting not only on on your own skin and in your own body but especially your child's skin and body are pure and and great quality especially in this weird time we sort of talk about this in this episode in this weird time where we kind of have to practice self-love we Mm. talk about dressing up uh, for to go on a date even though we're just staying in the house yeah same thing like treat yourself well and this is a nice little way to treat yourself go to livinglibations.com use promo code weird and you'll get 20 percent off wow how generous it's great that was their idea they're, they're... they said you can do 10 you can do shipping they said 20 percent. i love it i love them and i'm so happy to be uh working with them so try it out and enjoy this chat with my with the love of my life sweet lady Ooh, Mel. that's a flirt a little flirt it's our date night Date night. I love Ted Alexandro has this great bit where he's like dating in your 40s is different because you'll flirt with your, your girlfriend or your wife and he'll be like, you're in for it. You're in for it later. And he's like, no one's in for it. <laughs> yeah. You're in for it in terms of like, we're going to eat ice cream yeah. <laughs> and watch Transparent. I can promise an orgasm of flavor. Oh, that's kind of the only orgasm I care to know in the, these times. Oh, like, <laughs> having Lee, I Ooh. mean, come on. It's so hard. It's over. <laughs> after four, it's over. Yeah. We crash in the afternoon and then HBO it's HBO Crashers. 
And please watch HBO's Crashers. With Pat Helms. With Pat Helms, starring the wonderful Pat Helms. It's the story of a comedian in New Jersey trying to start in the improv and sketch scene. And he meets uh, Artie Fuqua. <laughs> um, all right, guys. Val? Get into it. Da, 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 da. Okay. Ooh. Ooh, don't let your life Wait, Val. Yeah? You say it. Oh. Uh, hi, everybody. Ugh. What's happening, weirdos? That's for the intro. What do you say? Is it? Yeah, you just say that for the intro. What's happening, weirdos? When do we say get into it? <laughs> <laughs> when do we keep... What, and what, what is what is when crisp? Do we, when do we keep it crispy and what? Who is, is that? Yeah, who is crisp? E? Am I saying that right? Crispy, Chris Parnell. Crispy. Um, how, how have I never done the podcast? I love Chris Parnell. I know you guys had a really we special meal. We did. We had a really special meal where we got the giggies. We were in Montreal back before um, everything was Mad Max, and uh, we were in a restaurant, a French. No, an Italian restaurant, but in Canada. So they were speaking French, uh, Montreal. And, uh, sorry, uh, oh, boy, oh boy, don't put the burden on me to lift this podcast off as you look for... Uh, Questions for the podcast. I already did a podcast today with Moby, my new friend, Mobitious. Oh, am I supposed to find that threatening? <laughs> I'd like you to be impressed. Oh, I that do and So you do a podcast with Moby? That don't impress me much. <laughs> that don't impress me much. Stupid So you got the brains, but have you got the touch now? Now that's a mashup I'd like to hear. Any songs mash up if you mash them up. That's right. Welcome to the show. Anyway, we we couldn't stop giggling because they were. It was just like a very serious restaurant. Oh, this is what it was. Yeah, they served Chris got like the rabbit. I remember this vividly. In fact, I took pictures because I didn't want to forget. So we were shooting this thing together. We're in Montreal. He got the rabbit. It's just he and I. Very serious restaurant. Very quiet restaurant. And he had he got the rabbit, which was a bold choice. You said he got the rabbit. Ah, I can't. I already <laughs> talked to Mobitious today. Anyway, oh my God. He, he barely ate it because it wasn't good. <laughs> and I inhaled mine as I'm want to do. <laughs> and uh, the waiter came by who was clearly an SNL fan and was clearly into... Chris Parnell. At the end of the meal, he made that clear and then tagged me on with the, you look familiar as well. And I'm like, don't patronize me. <laughs> and he comes up and, he, and he's very invested in what SNL's Chris Parnell thinks of the rabbit, which he got. And um, Chris just goes like, yeah, it's, uh, it's great. And I died. Because there was... It was just so clearly he wasn't enjoying it. It was like the whole rabbit... Was left. And this guy had the gall <laughs> to be like, "How you can see how he's enjoying it. He's not. <laughs> and, that, and that Chris Parnell dry, deep voice. Yeah, it's... Uh, and it's just... Oh, I died. <laughs> I died. La- it was one of the hardest laughs of my life. We're starting the show this week 
with our hard laugh. Go ahead, um, my love. Go. Take the reins. As I don't know if I mentioned this, I already talked to Moby. Oh today, my and, god! Um, this has been the most name droppy. It stopped recording for some reason. Oh, it and was, we're back. It was like a uh, pop up came up. Yeah, it was embarrassed about mm-hmm. how many names you're dropping. It was embarrassed of my riff about I want a carpet with all the celebrities yeah. that I've met. So they have that. It's called the red carpet. Oh my oh god. Oh my god. You are Joan Rivers. Am I s- <laughs> I just drowned in the Joan Rivers. <laughs> um you take the reins, my love. I love you. How are you? How are you? You know, that's a really good question. I am good. <laughs> Where okay, let me ask you this. We're not in the car. We're not in a car. We're in our dear friend's guest house. It's a big upgrade. I'm wearing like kind of my tighter pants. Unbutton. I think I will, but I'm I'm just saying like it's much better to be on a couch in in uh, tight pants than in a car in tight pants. Oh yeah. Ooh, nice. I unbuttoned and unzipped. Let that belly fold out. Let her breathe. She wants to breathe. <laughs> I loved it. That was not a fart of judgment. That was a fart of laughter. It's not a great song. Um, oh, what I was going to say is, like, when somebody says, how are you, mm. do you think your answer or do you, like, send your investigator down to your body? Oh. Where does your detective Here, go? go ahead and ask me. How are you? How are you, my love? I look to my throat. Really? Yeah. I've told you that. My throat is where, if I'm tired, I get really raspy and, and I carry it in my throat chakra. Ooh. In my throat chakra. It also is where, like, if your throat chakra is open, you will speak your truth of how you feel. Maybe there's Ooh, something. Ooh, yeah. It's like a blockage. It stops there. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you feel it? I I think I most often just think an answer. Like, uh, I've been, like, I'll just go yeah. back in the past days of, like, how I've been. Oh, I, I thought you meant based on the situation. Because if they're all drinking margaritas and Hawaiian shirts, I'd be like, oh, you know, keeping it cash. Like, I'll just match their energy. That's true. You know, relaxing, I say to a guy in a hammock. <laughs> yeah. I so often am like, I'm great. And then, like, remember that that's not necessarily true in this moment. And be mm. like, you know, I'm, go- I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but. But I would like to practice more answering like how our, our friend Nikki Nickturn says, he's like, whenever you, I ask somebody how they are, they never say how they are in that moment. They always say how they've been lately. That's been a, that's like a trick for me on this podcast is so, I, okay, it's, this time it's not a bit. Interviewing Moby, when I was researching him, which I really just do an hour before, I'll just go on their Wikipedia, I'll see what I can read, I'll listen to some of the music, if it's applicable, whatever. And uh, I was overwhelmed with how much he's shared. Mm. He's a, he was a perfect, you made it weird guess, as you know, because when I came out, I was really glowing. And um, I realized when I was overwhelmed with all the different ways, like, we didn't even get to this. Like, he took LSD once and then had panic attacks, and I really wanted to get to that. He had all this trauma in his youth, and I wanted to get to that. We didn't get to any of that. Wow. And it's because when I get overwhelmed, not that you uh, asked, um, meaning I know I'm just offering this out of nowhere. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, that was a weird pop-up. What I'm saying is 
I just try to go, how are you right now? Yeah. Like, how are you today? Yeah. And that, that's helped me with, like, Noel Gallagher was the same thing. Like, how do you talk to somebody that you could right. ask them about so many things? You just go, like, how are you right now? Yeah. And so that's that's very Nick Turn of, of, of me. Totally. And, and even, like, not even how are you today. It's like, how are you right now in this moment? Um, so that's the first thing I'm trying to do. And then, secondly, I'm trying to check in with my body and not think... Like I have, you know, this, I have a tendency to think my feelings. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and say this isn't true anymore. It used to be more true. It used to be more true. I now, now I probably do it when I'm feeling unsafe, but I spent most of my life like thinking my feelings instead of feeling my feelings. Of course. And, uh, cause it's much safer. I say of course, because I did it. I don't yeah. think that's the way to do it. Well, let's do it for real, for real. Okay. Like when I say, how are you? Like what's really going on? Mm. What's going on? I'll give you some music to. Yeah, be dub dub dub. There's two minutes of you. Okay, I'm, I'm feeling. Oh. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I'm feeling very like my body feels very open and vulnerable and like tender and supple and it feels like like you know like the earth right after a rain like it's it's like mm. wet mm. and mossy but like smells nice and is there's wow. potential i love that yeah well because you know i had like a, a couple days the last couple days i've been doing deep trauma work which so heavy I, stuff. I don't, Val is the hero in the hero's journey. We've been watching Finding Joe for inspiration, which is a great movie. Yeah. I always forget. Sorry to interrupt. But no, A please. little plug for Finding so Joe. Good. But back to the compliment. It is serious stuff. Like what you do in your free time, mm. we could watch fucking The Office, which we do. But like when you're not watching The Office, you're doing like the real pick up your sword Go into the dark cave and face the demons of your past, mm -hmm. but not alone with all these resources, which I'm excited for you to share. Just giving it a little. Thank you, baby. I structure. loved that. That was really nice. But I'm so proud of you. I really am. I'm not just saying that. Well, I am. I'm really fortunate in the in that I have like my basic needs met. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not worrying about money or worrying about our marriage or yeah. my, my child's health or something like that. But a lot of people in those situations are just like <clears throat> on Sky Mall getting that margarita machine. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and no judgment. It's just like it's exceptional that your elective activity, you were in your interior psychological high school mm -hmm. and you were picking your elective <laughs> and there was like alcoholism. Yeah. It was like, get back into weed? Question mark. It's <laughs> <laughs> weird. It's a gym teacher with blue sweatpants and no shirt, a lot of chest hair. <laughs> get back into weed? <laughs> and then you were like, in my free time, and that's why I'm proud of everybody that listens to this show. I'm proud that we get to do it. I'm proud to be involved in it. And you're, that's why you're the perfect guest is because you signed up for the elective face inner demons, not just to punish ourselves, but because we know when there's a release, you are released. You're, mm -hmm. you're a freer, happier person. Yeah. Thank it's you. And it's, a, and it's a gift you give uh, baby Lee as well. And Aww, me. Because I am tired of these moods. 
Okay. These moods? <laughs> My moods? I keep looking for the receipt for these moods. <laughs> <laughs> so I can drive back to the store before it closes and get a store credit. I'm going to get... Hey, you got a store? I don't know why I turned into the Humpty Dance guy. These moods. What's the Humpty Dance? I once got busy in the Burger King bathroom. <laughs> you don't know that guy? <laughs> the Humpty Dance is a chance to do the hump. This is when I'm 41 and you're 31. Yeah. that You could have saved that as a fake song. Oh, my God. Had I known, <laughs> Had you known, I would have assumed you knew the Humpty Dance. I don't know. Remember when I didn't know about Easter Island? <laughs> that I'll give you. Stonehenge. Easter Island is just Stonehenge with a little bit of flair. And I knew Stonehenge. Stonehenge is TGI Fridays. <laughs> Easter Island is Applebee's. No. That's all it is. TGI Fridays is the better one. I'm sorry, I forgot to class myself down for this portion. Let me try and remember what those, quote, establishments are. I'm just kidding. I'm a Chili's man. That's true. You are. You like, they're very thin. Uh, Let me me make you feel known for a second. Sure. You love their really, really thin, salty chips and salsa. That are... Refillable. Refillable. I want glasses where the chips are those trans, the lenses are the translucent chips. Yes. Uh, So I can see the world in chipped colored lenses. Oh my God. And if you dip them in salsa, brother, that's Rose. Oh my God. We're getting those riffs out. Getting those riffs out. Gotta get the ball on the back, get people listening, and then we're like, how's your heart? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I I jumped right in with trauma. No, Bubba, that's not women at all. (laughs) No. Yeah, yeah, I am very seen. Uh, I feel like you are an Applebee's girl, though. Well, I am... That's more to say I feel like your parents are Applebee folk. my, My parents are huge Applebee's folks, but in Humboldt, where I'm from... I or where I lived for a long time. Um, where I'm from, anyway. That Applebee's was the only one that we had. We didn't have Chili's. We didn't have yeah. TJ Fridays. Yeah. And I used to get their cowboy burger. <laughs> oh, did it have barbecue sauce on it? Yes. Yeah. And, a, and an onion ring. <laughs> what are you? T- I'm just saying. What are this you is doing? like that's like a standard cowboy burger, right? Yes, but it sounded the way you're saying. You're like, oh, did, did it have it? barbecue sauce? Oh, I didn't mean it that way. I was trying to be like, I bet I can guess. I haven't had it. I haven't been to many apple buy. <laughs> I don't. I, I TGI Fridays. I would rather go to Chili's. TGI. Where's Ruby Tuesday? Is that? Oh, that's a different category, it's right? Over getting stoned with Red Robin. <laughs> 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 wow, what a wonderful talent. Yeah, right. What is your fave? Is your fave app? Being- <laughs> well, here's the thing. I've been to TGI Fridays the least amount, and maybe this is why that's at my top. Because for me, it always seemed like a click nicer than the TGI? Others. Yeah. I don't even know what they have, but I that striped shirt says, follow me, children. There's a dessert. <laughs> There's a plate end. of a melted cheese somewhere. <laughs> Something's coming your way. Like a milkshake that's not made from powder. Something's happening. Yeah, and you know yeah. I worked at Bennigan's. I know. And I know Bennigan's. You want some pineapple pepper cream sauce? That sounds sexual. Ooh, pineapple pepper cream? It was cream? our best sauce. I mean, judge I the name. Let's go ahead and judge the name. But don't forget one of our finest presidents was named... Barack Hussein Obama. We've got to look past pineapple pepper cream. Okay, wait. Is Are all of the Bennigans closed? I'm not saying that's a bad name, by the way. I'm just saying it's an unfamiliar name. Sure. So is pineapple and pepper. 
And so is cream. Let's be honest. Yeah, it does not seem like those three should be friends. Pineapple and Pepper are hanging out having a nice fondue party. In walks cream. Do we do we let this happen? They have this weird three-way. Guess what? You're dipping your Southwest egg rolls in those. <laughs> in that. And if you're nasty, your fries. Oh, my God. It was so good. It was so good. Um, so all the Bennigans are closed now? I think so. I'd love to have you, for my 50th, would you build me a Bennigan's? Okay. I'm I'll get kidding. started now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't take, know why I keep farting face. It's take nine years. You were saying? Uh, I don't remember what I was saying. You were talking about Applebee. Oh, TGI Fridays. We don't know it very well. No, no, but all of that. What's to was, say? No, it was like, how did we even get on TGI Fridays or Applebee's? Some manic, some manic riffing. Yeah, sure. I suppose we could blame the riffing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, well, you were talking about your trauma work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So because I had day um, a few days, so trauma work should like it naturally kind of ebbs and flows. So. Because you don't want to overdo it, at least the way that I'm doing it is. Well, like, I think that's super key. What you're saying, I just want to make sure it's clear. Is you do it a couple of days and then you take it, take a break. Yeah, and, and I, I wait. I just listen to my body with the help of my therapist, who is often slowing me down because I kind of want to like rush through it so I can get on the other side and be like healed or something. Yeah, and she's constantly slowing me down and saying like, "This is a process that's." really slow because it's in your body and you have to listen to your body and um so I try what this looks like for me for anybody who's interested is it's like I'll just kind of be living my life and then something will happen I'll get like a a cue in my body and maybe it's like flashbacks of my trauma or maybe it's bad dreams or it could just be like a little bit of anxiety that seems kind of out of nowhere and usually I am parenting or podcasting or doing something where it's not the appropriate time. So I just make kind of an appointment with my body. It's almost like my child self is like tapping on the window. Mm. And I try to um, just like put my hand where I feel the sensation and say, okay, I hear you. I'm going to try to get us somewhere safe where we can process this. I love that. Val is touching her chest and her belly right now, which you've got me doing too. Yeah. It's so wonderful and helpful. Well, just the nurturing touch. I just found this out. is like that releases. I don't know if this is the same for men. Sorry, guys. It might, might be. But for women, it releases oxytocin, mm. which is like a healing quality for, for yeah. women. Uh, like it regularly. I, I don't know if it's oxytocin or oxymosin, but when I do it, it feels real nice. <laughs> I think oxymosin I you, is the man version. <laughs> Oxymus. Um, I, we talk a lot about, well, let me say this. This might be more interesting. I have been sharing on this podcast that I've been feeling more and more loving and open to my parents um, and calling them every week. This is like a big breakthrough. That's yeah. why I mention it every week. Yeah. Because it really changes my life. Mm-hmm. Now, instead of when I think of my parents and or get a text from them, instead of getting like kind of a mix of love, but also a little dread or like obligation mm-hmm. is a better word. Like now I have to reply to this. Anyway, I did um, Byron Katie, which we've talked about. It was such a huge thing for me. Everybody that listens to this show regularly knows that I felt like my mother loved me too much. Mm-hmm. Like it was like sort of boundaryless. Mm-hmm. And I really sat with that and really looked at it. 
And uh, I came back with, like, I don't even know if that's true. I'm not saying... This is not the school of denial, by the way. It's the school of not necessarily believing a story that you built that's based on very ethereal, meaning not concrete. There's no story I have where my mom did this or said this, really. It was just sort of like, wait, this is kind of uh, very, as I say with love, very Eastern European. Like, what's going on here? There's a lot of... Uh, kissing and loving and all that sort of stuff. But I, it was, it, okay, whatever. That, that was a weird noise I just made because it's like, do I have to look at this more? But anyway, I came to the conclusion that I made very firm conclusions based on very unfirm evidence, mm-hmm. meaning I needed to be loose with myself mm-hmm. and have the courage to admit that possibly through therapy, I was making some very hard conclusions on things like, for example, the meaning of life or the existence of God that should be kept fluid and moving and alive. And I was just like, nope, that's what happened, and I'm going to burn down the whole relationship. So I did the work of Byron Katie, and that really was very soothing to me. And then I've been enjoying, even looking forward to calling them on Sundays, which is insane. I've enjoyed talking with them and enjoyed texting with them. I've just been letting them in, texting more photos of Leela, because all of the stuff that I definitely know isn't true, um, that, that's gone. Yeah. Whether or not the kissing was too much, that, that's up for debate. Sure. But whether or not her intention was, I, I'm loving you not like a son. I'm loving you like a romantic partner. Like, I don't know if that's true. That's the part sure. that I was sort of uh, reading into it. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry to monologue here. The point is, last night, after all of this healing, and not just healing in quotes, but actual practical... I feel transformed. I had this dream last night of rage towards my mom. Mm-hmm. And not just my mom, my mom in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So like my young mom. Mm-hmm. And I said this to you, and the reason I said all this was I want to put it back to you, is you have been helping me when we talk about putting our hands on our stomach and our chest and soothing ourselves and loving our child selves. It doesn't have to be either or. Katie is like, it's, it's your thinking. Mm-hmm. And you're like, don't forget that your body stores stuff. Mm-hmm. I also want to point out, don't forget that your psychology is a long process. Sure. We, we can have instant spiritual freedom for sure. You can, you can do that. I've done that. We've all done that. Yeah. But like, and then, you know, you come back. But psychological issues really is sort of can be like losing weight or getting mm-hmm. in shape. Yeah. And body trauma, I'm finding... It could benefit and does benefit from the things that you're learning about that. So, so what did that make you think when I told you? Because I had that weird feeling. I was like, fuck. You know, yeah. if, if you've ever been divorced and you wake up and you have a dream that you're uh, with your partner, your ex-partner, and you wake up, you're sort of disappointed because you hoped your psyche was over that yeah. or moving on. That's how I felt when I woke up this morning. I was like, shit, I thought we were over this. Yeah. And, and what, go, what do you think of that? Well, before I go into that, that... I think it's so brilliant. Squarespace. (laughs) Um, To compare it to weight loss, because it is like in the same way that you should be suspicious of quick weight loss, you should maybe be suspicious. That is great. Um, That is great. I mean, it's just, it is like. like Fad diets or fad. By the way, just to be very clear, I do not think the work of Byron Katie is a fad. That is changing and continues to change my life. But yes. like if somebody is giving you a quick fix, uh, 
it's just like losing weight. It's like the, it's like some weird, this will stop your body from absorbing fat. Remember those pills in the early 2000s? Yeah. And if you are thinking about it in terms of you are trying to, uh, the way that I think about it is I am trying to, um, get like there are embedded programs in my nervous system and I am trying to kind of one by one, uh, create new associations in my nervous system, which then create different wirings in my brain. Mm. So I'm reprogramming yeah. the whole thing. That's going to take years. It's like a tele, like the the call box, the call center in Mad Men, where they have to unplug the cables to connect right. you to somebody else. Like yes. you're doing that with your brain. Yeah, and that's what the work is helping me do. I think of my mother, and I think that person had this inappropriate thought or whatever about me. Yeah. And, and I had to unplug that and go, no, she, no. And and now I'll I'll think of her this way. Yeah. But therapy obviously can be very beneficial for that as well. Absolutely. And then what I, what I, my interpretation of your dream. And again, this is just a guess. This isn't, it kind of is like whatever, road gets you there you know mm-hmm. and there are, I, like I've said before on this podcast I think there uh, are so many benefits to the work of Byron Katie and that is when I'm dealing with like judgments or beliefs I will go, turn to her um, and then my therapist and, and just the more that I'm learning about somatic stuff and trauma and nervous system and embodiment I'll turn to that when dealing with like intense trauma feelings or intense emotions. Um, and basically my therapist, Jennifer Murdaka, she's incredible said like, you can work on your brain and that is really helpful to work on your beliefs and, and researching what unconscious thoughts you have about certain things. Uh, and then that will only get you, that will get you up to a point but then you have to incorporate embodiment into it mm. to deal with that system. So the way I interpreted your dream was um, your wise self who knows how to heal saying, great work. Um, there's still rage in this body to just right. not be forgotten. Right. Like, don't, don't forget. Isn't it weird? Life is weird. Oh, yeah. There's a, an embodied <laughs> rage in my subconscious, mm-hmm. and I do all of this healing. And then it, you said this this morning. You were like, it had the wisdom yeah. to like send me a telegram, basically, yeah. and grab me at the only time that it can, which is when I'm unconscious, basically, in sleep. Yeah. And it was like, play this movie, because we... I mean, really just smoke some weed and trip out on this. That feeling has a desire is one way of understanding. I know I'm anthropomorphizing a little bit, but that feeling has a intention Mm -hmm. to get the attention of the organism at large because rage is bad for my body. It can harvest uh, or or encourage disease. It can lead to tension and and danger. Mm -hmm. So it was like, let's... Show him mm-hmm. that he, you know what it made me feel in the dream. I told you, let, let's say it wasn't this. I'm, I'm a little, it's a little too personal to say what the dream was exactly. But let's say I picked up a rock mm-hmm. and I was like going to use the rock to bash things. Mm-hmm. And I said to my mom, I go, this, I became 
what I would call 30% lucid Mm -hmm. because the dream was getting a little too intense for me. And that's what actually made me realize it was a dream. Mm -hmm. So I was holding the rock and I said to her, I go, this isn't a rock. This is my rage. Mm -hmm. So I realized in the dream, Mm -hmm. I was basically saying to my mom, don't worry, I'm not actually going to do anything violent Yes, because I was going to like thrash on this whole scene. And I was like, this is just my rage Mm -hmm. manifesting. Yeah. But then, uh, what it felt like when I woke up was I was like, and this, I, I, I hate to be so on the nose, but I was like, I need to like stretch. I need to like release. I, I told you that story of me and Chris Thayer in the car doing primal scream therapy oh, yeah. where we were just, we were like, just yell as loud as oh. you can. And at the end of the ride, we were like giddy and glowing. Yeah, and that it was beautiful. Also, sorry to interrupt, but just Not to pause that, like that also activated your vagus ventral nerve, which is yeah. in the diaphragm. So that's why singing is so therapeutic. Oh, shit. Like screaming activates that nerve and, and sends you into the regulated space of your nervous system. Wow. Yeah. It's I a, mean, that's it's sort of how I, I could garden state right now. I have a little like need to yell into a crevasse. Mm-hmm. That's another cue that I get that I need to, to dive back into my trauma work is I will get a feeling that's like, uh, just like a very strong desire to purge where I'm like, I don't understand. Do I need to throw up or do I need to cry? I feel that actually right now that we're mm. talking about, it, I sort of feel like I could barf, but not in a, yeah. I'm not actually nauseated. I'm just saying like, there's like a feeling of yak, yakability. I think it's the scientist. Yakability. <laughs> but and- I know that I wouldn't if I tried, but that's the feeling. It's like, Again, what a fucking mystical, magical, incredible world we live in. Incredible. That my body is like, it's sort of like throwing up. There's nothing to throw up in here. Yeah. But we'll give you that sensation because that's what your emotions are are yearning for. You have a huge energy ball that is like ready to release. And we all... It's life. Sorry, baby. Yeah. And I, I will say I've had that before where I can't really scream or cry or throw up. Uh, and I will do like a hot, um, strong exhale. I get it. It feels so good. <laughs> this is like spank my ass. <laughs> I don't know what it's like. It's like something. Yeah. That's funny because I was like, I want to do yoga, and yoga has a lot of that, like. Yeah, the tongue out, breath of fire kind of, yeah. We keep coming to this embodiment. It's like, it's like the feelings grew the thing that it needed to express and process itself. Mm. That's like an interesting way to think of the body. Mm. Instead of the body predates the feelings. Yeah. It's like the feelings are what made the body evolve into this. It's just a fucking... I like that, though. I'm not stoned. I'm just saying, like, (laughs) that feels right. And the world feels right to process things. It's fucking terrible with the fires and stuff, but how many times have I been like, wow, this is what I feel like. This is what this year has felt like. Oh, my God, yes. So it's like... Everything, we always end up on this topic, but like everything seems to just be nudging itself. What's happening in here is going on out there, which is speaking to like a a, a pretty big picture of oneness for me. I, but that's just a story. (laughs) Val, my love, would you tell us about the manager thing? 
Oh yeah, you this, sweet. Love. It really changed my life. This yeah. is this is buckle up. <laughs> and if it helps the listeners, it really helped me to picture it like a like a prison for some reason. Oh yeah, almost like Shutter Island. Sure. Which is a terrifying movie. Uh, we forget. You think it's just Leo having I fun. Know. And then it's... <laughs> and one of the scariest it. endings of all time. Oh one of those endings that's just like a wet willy of an ending. You know what? I'm. There are people who probably like love that movie, and I'm not saying that you are disembodied. But for me, somebody who is incredibly sensitive mm. to movies that I see... That is such a sign of a time that I was completely disassociated no. because I used to love that movie. Me, that is... Yeah, I, that's the weirdest thing. You could not pay me to see that movie again. Also, you know, I think it's beautiful that I, I still think There Will Be Blood is a masterpiece, but my ego trippiness has been softened enough that I don't need to see it manifested. Like, I don't need to see a guy yeah. going like, I'll sacrifice every relationship I have to get money and fame. <laughs> like, that is so much less. Now we're just like, you know... Like yeah, watching okay. Transparent and shit, which is beautiful. <laughs> it's so my beautiful. favorite peach. I still love watching. You know, I'm not saying this to counteract the, the Transparent. I'm not. There's no shame there, obviously. But I'm just saying I also like watching Sicario. Like I like. I've been yeah. really enjoying action movies <laughs> and stuff. So there's all the feelings, and I still love There Will Be Blood. PTA, please come on. <laughs> Oh, yeah. He's fantastic. All right. So Shutter Island, what uh, outstanding. Okay. So this is called Internal Family Systems, and I've referenced it, I think, the last uh, episode. And I will preface this by saying I'm just learning about this. So some of you are therapists, maybe, and you know about it. Or some of you, are, are even somebody wrote to me and said that they are glad that I mentioned it because their therapist uses this on them. Oh, wow. And um, my therapist does something similar, but it's it's not exactly these names. You're like a waiter, a waitress shadowing a waitress. That's exactly yeah. right. So yeah. a waitress comes by to tell you about internal family systems. Family systems, and you're behind, just sort of awkwardly nodding. But that waitress is gone, and we have you, and I'm so glad. And I, yeah, I'll tell you about the specials of the day, as yeah. best as I can remember. Yes, there you go. Ooh, <laughs> um, I hope it's French onion soup. Oh, let's get that after. God oh. bless the French. I know. Thank you for putting cheese and onions on everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay, Internal Family Systems comes from this guy named Richard Schwartz, who was a family therapist. And as he was starting to... I did say some of this already, but I don't, I don't think I went through all of them. I just want that management thing. Yeah, okay. I'm not saying I just want it. I'm like, yeah, say whatever you want. Part. I, no, no, no. <laughs> just not, to rush through that part. That's I, not I, what I, understand. Understand. I was I'm like, not as good of a guess as Moby. Oh, I, I get it. <laughs> my God. As who? Moby. Oh, my. You're so funny. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You I'm are no here. Moby. <laughs> I'm no Moby. And I don't Moby. Mean, <laughs> I don't know why it keeps coming out that way, but it's happening. Um. So, basically... He discovered that you have these parts that... What? I'm still laughing at Noby. <laughs> Noby. Um, that you have these parts and they kind of interact in the same way that like families have these specific archetypes. Um, anyway, the parts that you need to know is uh, you have exiles. So that is a usually a childhood part. If you think about it as like... The unwounded, it starts as an unwounded child who's just like, the world is full of possibilities and optimism and it's like this safe, wonderful place. 
and this this part of you used to be really playful and sparkly and magical and then it was wounded in some way right and as soon as it was wounded because you were a child and you didn't have uh the resources to process your feelings which is what trauma is it's it's when your system is flooded and you can't process what's happened to you Mm. um your wow what a good definition yeah flooded it's flooded yeah that's another word my therapist uses um it your body in order to protect you sends that part into exile so this is where just from me i find it very helpful to picture this like sam rockwell in the green mile like you're the crazy weird wounded sad prisoner misunderstood misunderstood that gets put in the center of the prison and and it's maximum security, mm-hmm. and it's very hard to get to them. But this is a feeling. This is a yeah. you that, for me, as I refer, it's it's my bullied self. It's my shameful self. It's yeah. my clammy-handed, bosomed child that's just like, no, I don't love me. Yes. So he, he goes in this prison, and and worse. Let's be honest. There's so much worse internally that's happening yeah. other than just being an awkward teen. Preteen, yeah. inside feelings of shame and doubt and dread. Yes. This becomes my exile prisoner, and he's in the center of the prison. That's right. That's so well put. Because especially because it's important that these exiles also hold that innocence. Mm. They hold like the really good, beautiful things that we like see in Leela, but mm. it gets all clumped in because. That innocence was betrayed by something. Right. And so there's um, a lot of potential in this in this prisoner. Exactly. And um, so your body, uh, there, there are no, this is what Richard Schwartz says. He's like, I've never met a part that I didn't like. Mm. They all serve a purpose to protect you. That's what they're trying to do. So an effort to protect your, you from having flooding feelings again, they, it creates these exiles. Oh, Wow. Yeah. It, just to keep us all on the same page, because this is kind of maybe new for people, mm-hmm. we're, all, we're talking about one person, and we're going to be splitting this person into a lot. You, the person, yes. you are the prison, Yeah, and some are walking around freely, and the exiles are buried deep inside of you. Yeah, absolutely. But you're the prison. Yeah. So, um, so then you have, so that's the exiles. Then you have the managers, and you have two phases of managers. Um, the first, or sorry, you have the protectors, two phases of protectors. The first is managers and those managers are, their job is to, for both of the protectors, it's to keep the exiles from getting triggered. Right. Um, because the exiles, even though they're in prison, have the potential to burn the prison down. Sure. Well, and they just are like the whole body is working to keep that, whatever happened to you from happening again. But I thought you said that they sort of have, like, there's sort of like a, if you get too close to Well, that's okay, one. The, that's the second protector. Oh, yeah. okay. Sorry. Jump so in. the first protector is the manager, and that is, you have, multi, you have tons of managers. You might actually think of these as, like, parts of your personality, but they, they don't necessarily have to be. Um, but it's, its job is to preemptively keep you out of situations where the exiles will be triggered. Mm. So, for example, my, one, of, one of my many managers is, as I've shared before on this podcast, is like pleasing everybody or getting everybody, making sure that everyone is happy mm. because that's protecting an exile 
that f- has felt very unsafe when adults were unpredictable. Mm. So I am trying to control everybody and make sure that they are pleased with me so that they don't do anything unpredictable or scary. Wow. So the, the exile is, it has to do with unpredictable, uh, adults hurting me and the manager is okay. So please everybody mm. and control everybody. This is heartbreaking. I, only I mean, because it's so relatable. Yeah. I, yeah. So please don't take that as pity. I'm just like, wow. Everyone who walks through your door is carrying a huge, heavy, unseen burden. That's everybody. And a whole, I would say everybody is carrying a whole universe of activity. That's right. Like they are. Yeah, the cosmos just walked in. Yes. And they might slack on some paint and some cologne and a hat and be like, hey, I'm Dale. It's like. You're not fucking Dale. Yeah, you're showing I, us one of your stars. That's right. You're letting us talk to a, a manager, basically. That's exactly right. I, yeah. That's why I really think that... And this, you'll notice there's parallels between Young, this and Young's idea of the shadow self and the mm-hmm. ego. Like, the ego is, is protecting the shadow self by being like, No, I'm Dale. I am just... Right. I like these five things, that's and that's right. it. You know? That's right. And when it comes to people with extreme uh, opinions, that I firmly disagree with, I, I'm always like, it's it's got to be a, a core belief that you're not safe yeah. or that you're not loved. Oh, There's yeah. something like real Dalai Lama stuff, like compassion stuff, which we're always talking about. It's like, he, it's not just them. Those are their beliefs and that's their structure and that's their terrible behavior and that's their hate and that's their greed and that's their whatever it might be. But it's there because of something that doesn't excuse it per se, right. but it can introduce us into the realm of compassion. Politics aside, it can help you at Thanksgiving. It can yes. help you with that weird coworker. Yes. It's not just for this weird time in 2020. It's always like you're meeting, so, as we say, as Duncan said, you're meeting their bodyguard. You're meeting their manager. That's absolutely right. And, I mean, if you need to access compassion for anybody, you can... This really works with toxic masculinity, which I know, again, it doesn't excuse it. But if there is somebody who is toxically masculine, I will often picture kind of like in the, what is it? The tree of life, Mm. like a scene where that innocent boy was like most likely bullied by his father to not cry, to not, you know, to feel. You mean Trump? I mean, this is what I mean for Trump. It's like he he learned this. This isn't he. Yeah. Everybody, again, it doesn't excuse because. Oh, I know, I know. But not that you should feel hate for this person because what is that? That just creates more hate. But. Well, that's what they, they, it's drinking poison, expecting it to hurt someone else. It's yeah. like, don't, don't, what did your sign say at one of the protests? It's like, hate is too costly to bear. It's like, yeah. I won't tarnish my heart with hate. Yeah, I, I think that's a ML, MLK. Yeah, I think uh, it is too. Uh, quote, I should that up. But yeah, so that's the first manager. It's like preemptively, like working overtime to be like, okay, huh, let's not get in any kind of situation where um, our exile will be triggered and we will be flooded with emotions. So it is like, yep, the little, little, it's like dancing yeah. and try, and spinning plates and trying to like control everything. Mm. And everybody has this in just different forms. And like, so he uses the example of bulimia, like, because he started to discover this with his his patients with eating disorders. And it's like, 
that for whatever reason, that person's manager manifested in controlling what they eat and don't yeah, eat. Yeah, of course. But it's all trying to get control because a, a child was wounded, basically. Of course, of course, of course. Um, so that's the first layer external of defense. External power and control is always to remedy, I feel like, internal, internal powerlessness and uncontrollability. Absolutely. And chaos. Absolutely. So that's, that's you're just opening my heart as we speak mm. in real time. <laughs> it's beautiful. Um, I, lo- I mean, yes, this is totally helped me and and really is changing how I think about things. And it get, it helps you realize that there is a structure to this. And if there is a structure, it is manageable. Yeah. If it's mentionable, it's manageable. That's right. It can feel so chaotic and like bottomless and dark. It can feel like you're in a cave and you can't even see your own body. And these theories, which are science based, you know, what I was saying about the vagus nerve and, and everything, are just like little torches along the way in the cave. That's like, okay, I see at least my own body and the walls. And that's like, right. I can continue. Just in the same way that you can sort of map, like the Tibetan Book of the Dead, sort of maps the psychedelic experience yeah. of ego death and all that sort of stuff. You can sort of map the psychological experience. But that's such good news. If you're lost, a sort of map is way fucking better than pitch black. <laughs> that's right. So when I'm picturing the manager, I'm picturing a prison guard. Mm-hmm. Not in the traditional sense because it's going to get a little bit more complicated, I think, right now. Uh-huh. But he's the guy with the keys that's saying, you don't want to go back there. <laughs> we got a basketball game over here. You want to play the basketball game? Yeah. And he he's trying to keep me which is my wisest self trying to visit my wounded self. And I run into the manager who's saying, no good can come from that. Let's, let's, let's eat. Let's watch TV. Let's jerk off for me. Let's whatever it is. I will soothe you in whatever way I can, even though we know it's a partial fix and it's a broken system, but I'll give it to you now, as long as you don't go down that long hallway and talk to that guy, because it's almost like the manager doesn't trust the good part of the exile. It only knows the fear and the pain and the shame and the potential for self-sabotage or self-harm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and I would say it might be more helpful to think of it instead of a prison guard, think of it as, I mean, I know that's going with your whole motif, but you can also think of it as just like a overprotective mother. Mm. It's like a mother who is, it it like, it means well, but it's trying so hard to protect the innocence of their child, Mm -hmm. that it's not letting the child actually express itself in any kind of way. Mm. Um, So that's the first line of defense. Then if, if something gets past the manager, which it inevitably will, because the managers is as hard as they work, they cannot predict the future. Or you know, you, you also have to go to Thanksgiving and see your family or whatever. Right. Um, so if that if it gets past the manager, the second line of defense is called uh, like the firefighter is how I have understood it, and that is like we will tear the house down to save it from burning. So it's like, that's what, and that's where I, and again, this, I could be misunderstanding it, but that's where I understand like rage and, uh, you know, even like extreme addiction and Mm -hmm. things that are like, we'll like self-destructive tendencies are like, 
and I mean, it seems more like that's what bulimia or eating disorders where that belongs is like, we will literally destroy this body before we let it feel what's inside. That's right. It's, it's very jokery to me again, ledgers joker, but it's like, (laughs) I'll blow up this whole airplane rather than have you land in my home city. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. Yeah. So the really valuable thing about this is he he learned that you can talk to these parts. I I do think it's really important. I'm learning this right now that there are aspects of my trauma healing that I can do on my own, but there are aspects for sure that I have to do with my therapist or with somebody who knows about trauma work. So even some of you right now who are listening to this me saying the word, us saying the word trauma over and over might be really triggering to your body. Mm. So just be really slow and listen to your body about that. And don't don't go farther than feels comfortable. Again, if you start hitting a wall where like you're feeling very activated, I would put your hand, do exactly what I said, put, put, I put my hands where I feel the activation and I say, okay, I see you, I hear you, I'm going to get us somewhere safe. Um, maybe it's in a week, maybe it's in a month, but like, I, I won't forget you. Um, and usually when I say that it, it calms down a little bit or um, throw in the Humpty dance or just throw in the Humpty dance. I don't know if you're playing this on speakers, but Alexa play the Humpty dance. <laughs> <laughs> um, please write to us if that worked, if your Alexa got triggered. Hilarious. Um, so your Alexa got triggered. <laughs> so I, uh, I will, yeah. Oh, so my my therapist uses that as like, she's like, you need somebody to mind the shop while you're kind of going down. She didn't say this part, but I'm going to make the metaphor better. While you're like going down into the cellar. Mm. (laughs) Because it'll create a hypervigilance if you're also trying to like, you know, hear your neighbors moving around and and wonder if anybody's going to come to the door and all of that while you're doing this deep work. So so just let that be known. But um, he, so this therapist would talk to the parts and this is the last piece that I wanted to say. He realized through actually a big, making big mistakes of trying to directly talk to the exiles. So he would try to directly talk to the exiles in his patients and they would go home and get worse mm. and like maybe even suicidal. Mm. Um, and then he learned that he, you have to go through the managers first. I relate to that so hard. I think I told you when I would do my book tour, I would go around and, and have these beautiful, like very heart opening spiritual discussions about, about the book. And then I would always go home and I, I wouldn't always act on it, but I'd have this urge to be like, Eat cake, eat chicken wings. I I don't eat meat, but I would sometimes eat chicken wings. Or I would, again, not to keep saying this, but I would jerk off or something like that to do something bad. But it's not bad. It's self-soothing because I was starting to get really, really exposed. I would do this thing where I was like, I'm an open book. I'm an open book. I'm an open book. And then that would be somewhat troubling to my exile. And then when I got home, the manager would be like, okay, we just had a rough one now do all these things instead of like doing what you're saying. I love what you're about to get to, by the way. Yeah. So in, in the job thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
Um, here's this is an exercise that everybody can do because we're not getting to the exiles yet. Um, again, I th- I would I would recommend having a therapist with you before you you get to the exiles at least the first time. Um, but he so he like took us through this exercise where you identify one of your managers. So that's where I I identified the people pleaser. And, um, and you say, you know, like, first of all, thank you so much for your service. Thank you for protecting us. Um, can, can I ask you a few questions and like, see if there's an opening and you're not thinking the answers you're really like feeling. So it does require finding a stillness, um, before you do it. And an attitude of, I'm not trying to change you. I just want to talk. It's it's like a hostage negotiator. You can't be like, we're going to. We're gonna get you out of here, Phil. You have to be like, Phil, what's going on? Yeah, thank you. That's I, that's I so I love important. you, Phil. We see what you're doing. Yeah. Thank you for pleasing everybody. It really keeps things pretty stable for the most part. Yeah. We understand why you're doing it. Yeah. And after each thing that I'm gonna say, there's you leave space to so the first thing you wanna do is really feel into what that manager feels like. Then you say, thank you for what you're doing and, and feel into how it is responding to that. Mm-hmm. Then you say, um, can I ask what are you afraid will happen if you don't do your job? Mm. And That's very similar to Katie. One of the things she encourages in the work is what's the worst that could happen yeah. and play it out yeah. so you can ask yourself, is that true? Like, for example, I do go home sometimes for holidays, but you go, like you said, you have to go home for the holiday. Is that true? And then really play it out. Well, they'll disown me. Is that true? Yeah, that's right. And and it's really interesting to blend Byron, Katie, and what you're saying. We want to catch the the mind in the act. That's right. And that's why she has you write these things down. Yeah. Because the mind is very slippery. I know I've said this before, but if you don't write it down, when you circle back to question the thought or examine the thought, yeah. the brain will be like, I didn't, I didn't say it like that. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a slippery kind of thing. It's, yeah. it's embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> it's embarrassed that it thought, in my case, when I interviewed Katie, was my dad will eat me. That yeah. was what it thinks. It goes like, dad will snap me in two and he'll eat me like a frog, like yeah. a hog. <laughs> Excuse yeah. me. So you have to write it down and be like, "Is that true?" And you go, "No," and you feel that that liberation. Yeah. So you say, uh, "What do you, What do you think will happen if you don't do the job?" Yeah. So my my manager was like, "If I don't, if if everyone isn't a hundred percent pleased with me a hundred percent of the time, uh, I won't exist." Mm. And so then it's a real opportunity to be like, "Oh, I see that fear." Wow, that's what you at least believe that you are keeping me from. That's what you carry. That's what you carry. Thank you. That what a like it's such an easier it's so easy to then access compassion like a child being like if I don't if I don't sleep with the flashlight a monster will get me. That's and right. Like you can or access. like an overprotective mom like you think if you don't give me 2,000 calories of mac and cheese in the morning that I won't have enough energy for gym class? <laughs> wow. wow, that's not real. Uh, but right. Whoa, yeah. that must be so hard for you to worry about me like that. Yeah. And yeah. to talk to yourself that way. Yes. I was talking about overeating. It's like, wow, you really think 
we need this. Like you're trying to give us this food blanket. Yes. And it's like, that is so heavy. Yeah. I just want you to know I'm okay. That's what Jack yeah. Kornfield Yeah. So you us. say, thank you. I'm okay just now. I'm okay now. just now. I love that. It's so powerful. <laughs> so Now, I've had so little to eat today because I was feeling in a really great mood post-mob, as we've already discussed. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to try and keep this great mood going into this podcast. So I've only been eating... You saw what I ate. It was just like some frozen blueberries and an avocado. Yeah. Very, very light. Yeah. So then my one of my managers is like, we need Pete to eat. But it's not my stomach. It's not my body. Yeah. It's someone going like, it's he doesn't have enough love. Because yeah. my mom, I told you this story when I went. I actually love this story, but it's sort of informed my psychology in a strange way. I am six foot six. That means when I was a kid, I was a foot taller than everybody. And that means in third grade when I went to Timmy Greenspan's house and his dad took us to McDonald's and I said what I wanted, which was a Big Mac and a large fry. I I know it's a sad story, but there's something relatable to it. I wanted not a crazy amount, but I wanted what I normally got, which was a Big Mac, a large fry and a chicken McNugget. And he said, no, you're getting a Happy Meal. And when I told my mom that... She saw red, and I was really, for what it's worth, I was really loved in that moment. Yeah. She wasn't, my mom is a no-bullshit woman, and I've actually been really, on these calls, been giving her a lot of love. Like, Mom, you, you do not suffer fools. You are fierce in the good way. You're, you're, you're ferocious in the good way. Yeah. And I think she made some joke about, like, you can't afford an extra $2 to get my son. <laughs> because, like, she was... Fi- if someone did that to Leela, yeah. and she came home and she was like, I'm starving. Yeah. And it's like, why didn't you eat? I wouldn't do that. But I understand why well, my mom... The part that protective. gets to me is, like, food shame. Just food shame. But he did. He shamed me. Yeah. And it, and I, even at that time, I was like, this is goddamn McDonald's in the 80s. <laughs> you don't have some change in the couch cushion? Get me some nuggets. <laughs> and he made me feel bad. And I was fat, fat I'm sorry, heavier yeah. than his son. His son was athletic. Yeah. And I was hungry. And mm-hmm. it, that was one of those things. What I think was bad about it was I started to learn if people love you, they will give you not just enough food, because probably a Happy Meal was probably enough food, but more than enough. Mm. I want more than enough. I want the food blanket. I want that good feeling. Yeah. And also, fuck off. I don't know if uh, one cheeseburger, dude, I'm like three quarters your height. Yeah. And I've been running around all day because I'm a fucking kid. I'm still yeah. mad about it. <laughs> I know. Your mom is a really great the metaphor for a manager in no, that moment. And that was a good, like, it's like, it's like well, probably, it is well meaning and it even is like, it is loving, but it it isn't necessarily holistically healthy. No, it was very eighties good parenting. <laughs> sure, I mean, like we could have gone into the feelings, and we could have had a really nice. And we probably did. She probably made me like a huge meal, knowing her. <laughs> yeah. The problem is, even though that story, from my perspective right now, is a great story, even though it's a little sad. Um, I definitely got hammered home that and many other examples like that. Of food that is food love. That food is love. Yeah. And if you don't, I, I, I've said this before to you, I'm like, I can't believe I'm not even bigger than I am because I'm just like, I, I, that message was hardwired into oh, the yeah. early phases of my brain as I know it was with you. Yep. And that's why in stress and in fear and sometimes in weird moments of just 
coming home from a show, I told my tour manager, I was like, tell the hotel to empty the mini bar. I don't have a problem with booze. I, I can abstain from the booze, but I'll eat every M&M, every M&M, <laughs> every Skittle, yeah. every Twizzler. And that's, I, I don't know if it's the whiplash of being with uh, a bunch, a hundred, couple hundred people and feeling so together and then being really, really, really alone in some strange hotel mm-hmm. at JFK mm-hmm. airport that sort of looks like a Howard Johnson mm-hmm. in the sixties and you just eat everything to mm-hmm. like comfort yourself yeah. or do I think I deserve it? And I'm sorry, I feel like I hijacked this and you're just getting to the good questions you ask. No, that's really great. And overeating is definitely one of both, both of our, our, both of us have that manager yeah. for sure. So I think that was really useful to be like, if uh, there's a lot of people where food, whether it's under eating or overeating is for sure one of your managers. It's the one thing you can control as a kid. It's one of the few choices that you get to make. It's exactly what Jennifer, my therapist always says. She's like, that is so, cause she really knows a lot about trauma induced, um, eating disorders. And she's, she's like, especially for children, what you eat and do not eat is sometimes the only thing yeah. you can control. It's like when Lee, I was trying to put her little jeans on and she wouldn't let me. I always realize this is her only opportunity, one yeah. of the few, yeah, to really have complete agency oh my over gosh. her reality. Yeah, and that's what what she started to cry, and I can't handle it. I'm a softy, and I just go, "Does she need these pants on?" Yeah, because sometimes she does. Sometimes it's a situation where she needs pants. Today she's just going around in those Olaf panties. And Anna. Holy pants? Anna, which oh, she did Anna. choose, like giving oh. her choices really helps. That's right, yeah. Yeah, it's really She also too. chose um, her minutes plan. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh my God. Um, okay, so this is almost done. So you you ask it, or you you know, you know you acknowledge it, see how it responds to that. You um, ask it what it's afraid of, see how it responds to that. And you can freestyle these questions, just have a conversation with it. But if you need help, um, then you, I might be forgetting one piece, but it's the last question is, you know, because it's going to respond to just being heard. It's like, it's like it wants you to see all that it's working on, like all that it's doing for you. Mm. So it'll respond to just that. There'll be some space there and it'll soften a little bit. And then you say, um, if you didn't have to do the job that you're doing, what job would you like to do? This is the part that killed me. And it kills me right now. Isn't that beautiful? Val, so again, just to keep this grounded in reality, we're saying, if you're interested, you can sit down alone, mm-hmm. get, in, get quiet, get in touch with the, it doesn't even need to be, know exactly what the exile is, but the pain inside of you. Yeah. And then instead of talking to the pain, you can talk to the thing that's protecting the pain. Yeah. And for both of us, it's eating. And for both of us, it's pleasing everybody. Mm -hmm. So we have these defense things and they're beautiful. And we meet them with an understanding. Mm -hmm. We meet them with appreciation and we're talking to them. It's Mm -hmm. funny, talking to yourself is always considered to be like unstable. We're saying this is a very stabilizing way to talk to yourself. Yeah. And then you say, if you weren't spending all of your energy pleasing everybody, what job would you like? Yeah. And you suddenly Thanks. you're like taking an inventory and, and remanaging, now it's an office building, the employees of your psyche. That's right. And, and giving them offerings. Yeah. And, and if you think, by the way, 
that your subconscious doesn't work this way. We're talking about the same subconscious that gives me a dream with my mother from the 80s in Iraq. We live in images. We live in make-believe. That's why so many therapists are like, I'll pretend to be your uncle. What would you say to me? These things fucking matter. And they're as practical as hammer and nails and wood when building a house. We're made up of make-believe stuff. That's right. The only way to get at it is images and pretend and role-play and hats. And this is why theater matters. This is why art matters. This is why why a metaphor can bowl you over. Like a myth can feel like the most personal thing in the world to you. Don't even get me started. This is in our makeup. This is how it this is this is how we function. That's right. Is through this stuff. Um that was so beautifully put. So, so you. you no, it's not recording. <laughs> so you do end it after you say, and and just to continue with mine, it's like if you weren't working to please everybody all the time, what job would you like to do? And I felt a very clear, as if somebody else said it, um, cr- like creative expression of my internal world, mm. and I often feel very blocked creatively. And, and it's like, of course I am going to feel if I'm, if I'm using so much effort trying to control how, how people see me, mm-hmm. there's no energy to For them creativity. just show what is actually happening inside of me because I'm only reflecting them back That's to right. themselves. Yes. That's why a lot of people that are liberated and I think... I, it's strange to say this, but sometimes um, I'm just thinking of some gay friends, real people, not stereotypes, gay friends that I have that did a lot of this inner work, mm-hmm. meaning because of social situations, they had to reconcile themselves and they had to do something bold yeah. and they had to tell their families or they had to tell their friends or whatever it is. Yeah. And they had to say, this is me, damn it. Mm-hmm. Those friends, again, I'm not speaking in stereotypes. I'm speaking about specific uh, gay men that I know are deeply creative people because they've done the work of liberating themselves already yeah. because they were sort of, in, in the case that I'm thinking of, they were forced to. Yeah. And now, God damn it, if they don't have a great eye and if they're not making incredible visual art. Because, that's yes, right. because they, they cleaned up their house. That's right. They They had to stop caring what people thought of them and they realized that the roles that they were given didn't fit, which means made them probably question all roles in general. So then they realized that there is a deeper them, which gets me to my favorite part of this. And this is almost done. (laughs) That's what you say, which is that the other part, the most important part of this internal family system is the wise self who is undamaged, Mm. who knows exactly what you need to heal who you can always trust and rely on and is steady and steadfast and has been with you through all of it. And that's why you say when you have a situation, there's different parts of you. There's the vagus, there's this, there's the lower part, there's the higher part. So you're having a reaction. That's right. You've got me asking, is there a part of you that is okay with what's happening? Yes. Is there a part of you that wants to run and hide right now? Is there a part of you that wants to cry? But as soon as we start compartmentalizing and seeing that it's a little bit of a choose your own adventure, Mm -hmm. you can start making more choices to go, I I know that there's a part of me that can find a peaceful existence in this unpeaceful situation. And you start getting better at favoring that choice if you want to. Or you can 
be a real crazy person <laughs> and fly off the handle if that's your choice. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and and it goes this is where like modern science and psychology is meeting with spirituality, which is that wise self, that undamaged self who knows how to heal. That is pure awareness. That's what these, you know, Buddhists and Hindus and uh, like people who who for centuries have said the same thing that there is all of these parts but then there's the one who sees all of it. Which is in the Hindu deity structure, which I don't know any experts in because there's <laughs> hundreds of them. But there's like, I couldn't even tell you who the lead one is, but there's the lead. I think it's... Krishna? It's not Krishna. It isn't? It's somebody's dream. It's either oh, Shiva's dream or, or yeah. Vishnu's dream. Yeah. It's somebody's dream. Uh-huh. So it starts with a dreaming deity that dreams all the other deities. Wow. That, that, it, it's very... Ugh, talk about images that can help you yeah cross over or cross in whatever you want to do mm-hmm. you were you done i interrupted uh i was just gonna say we got to the last part of this don't forget no. is that i cut my finger remember the other day with a uh a potato peeler mm-hmm. and it was like brutal it was i was kind of wondering if i was gonna have to get stitches mm-hmm. and then i just kind of noticed today that it's almost completely healed mm-hmm. and it was so profound because i had to remember because i have been in that dark cave in the last couple days of like just really kind of trying to actively not identify with just my fear um i had it was such a beautiful reminder that just like how my skin knows how to heal every part of me that's knows right. how to heal that's why the, that's so beautiful that's why the dream the dream isn't to attack me mm-hmm. the dream is to get my attention which brings me to what i wanted to say which was Richie, Richard Rohr, says that when our parents fuck us up in whatever ways that they do, which is inevitable, we should be grateful. I've said this before, but so because we know where our damage comes from and we can work with it. Mm. So when I hear us working with trauma and trauma, therefore pointing us inward and our pointing inward leading to self-discovery, it's like, oh, my God, the the trauma was the quarter in the jukebox that helped me play the redemption song, basically. Oh, that's right. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. And that's where you get back to Katie saying, I look forward that's, to that's the next time. I mean, that's... And I've, done, I've started doing that. Mm-hmm. We have a, a neighbor, not here, but we have a neighbor that plays the drums. Mm-hmm. And I, I've gotten to the point where when I hear him playing and I can f- use it as a quarter and go, let's see... If I can, the goal is I want the quarter to go in and come right back out in that coin return slot. Mm-hmm. You know what it doesn't take? Yeah. That's what I want it to do. Yeah. I want to be a clean jukebox that doesn't play songs because the songs that it plays are, he's never going to stop. It's too loud. <laughs> I'm not safe. Let's eat cake. Let's jerk off. Whatever it is. Yeah. Three references to jerking off. Uh-huh. Uh, you see what I'm saying? I, I, I want the coin to go in and come out untouched yeah. and no music to play unless I want it to play, not the outside stimulus telling it to play. Yeah. Isn't that fun? I, my, my, <laughs> I think that's such a good metaphor. And, and here's another one. I am looking at it more like I want to be so spacious and vast or to correct that, I want to remember that I am so spacious and vast <laughs> That there is room for all of it. There mm. is, you see the pleaser, you see the overeater, you see all of those. That's right. And you know that none of it is you and you can have compassion for every part of it and like be just su- like such an open space 
that nothing has, there's no resistance to anything because Mm. there's room for all of it. Mm, That's right. And you've helped me do that too. That's self-compassion. So when Pete does obsess or Pete does get in a little bit of a spiral, as we've discussed, usually over noise to go this too. Yeah. But we've been, that's been both of our mantras independently. We go, I say, this is it. This is what we're talking about. So when I start getting tense, I go, this is it. Mm-hmm. And you do start getting excited. Yeah. Can I identify? Because identifying it is the first thing. Yeah. I start getting flooded. I start. Well, for me, it's when I'm very hungry, meaning I haven't eaten anything, and yeah. then I was working. Yeah. So I start using my brain too much, and then I haven't eaten, and then something starts to stress me out. And that is always like my excuse while well, I'm very hungry and I've been working. And then you go, like, wait, I got it. You catch it kind of by the tail. Yeah. And you go, like, wait, there's always ends in me saying I'm sorry baby I'm just hungry that's right and instead of let's just there's nothing wrong with that but I would prefer to just go wait a minute I'm hungry and I've overworked my brain let's just take a deep breath can you just take a deep breath and not to be a good boy and not because anger is bad yeah. and not because speaking curtly is bad mm-hmm. uh, but just because I like to be spacious I like how it feels just like when we did that breath I like how that feels yes. more than I like. Yeah. It's not my favorite. And I wonder too, if in those situations you can say, you can talk to your body and be like, okay, I hear you. You're like a, you're like a tantruming toddler right now. I'm going to get you some lunch. Yeah. That's like right. Like just, just the act also, of nurturing. I'm sorry. I, I should have given you lunch. Yeah. The act of nurturing your body. I mean, for me, that has opened up. And I will get you the nuggets. Yeah. And I will get you a Big Mac. That's a grown-up sandwich. Look at my gut. I look like fucking <laughs> John, a little John Goodman. Um, we have so many good questions. Yeah, we're here. It's time for questions. Ooh. We're going to look up questions. Thank you so much for your <laughs> wonderful questions. We're going to look them up while we listen to that. Because I'm about to ruin the image and the style that you used to. I look funny. But you all making money, see? So yo, world, hope you're ready for me. Um, I'm the new fool in town. The sound's in the town of the underground. Uh, you introduce myself. My name is Humpty. We don't have the money for this. Oh, my God. Bump thee? Oh, all the rappers in the top ten, please allow me to bump thee. What advice do you have for lonely people? Has your art been influenced by times of solitude or isolation? You both seem like strong, independent, but also hypersensitive people. (laughs) And I'm wondering how you deal with spiraling thoughts and overthinking in your downtime. I just picked that one arbitrarily. It's Grant on Instagram. There's one specific that I was looking for, um, but let's answer that. That's great. Hi, Grant. Hi, Grant. Thank you for your question. Yeah, man. Especially before we were cohabitating, mm-hmm. I would get lonely a lot, and it was and that was that was hard for me. I, I I don't want to answer falsely. I'm trying to get in touch with a place where I was lonely. Um, what am I talking about? When I go on the road, oh you Jesus were, Christ, yeah. When and would, when he goes on the road, I'm also lonely. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's our lonely time. When I would tour. For one night, it's incredible because I, I'm away from you and Lee. Mm-hmm. That sounds terrible. No, I'm just being it. honest because I can sleep you in a hotel alone time. Yeah. But then that second day, you're just like, which is why I travel with Lara. 
Um, that helps a lot, but that is when I can get in touch with my loneliness. Can you read the full question again? What advice would you give to lonely people? Has your art been influenced by times of solitude or isolation? Mm. I would say that it, my art is the arrow and the solitude and isolation is, is, is pulling the arrow back and the bow. Mm. So when I'm away from people, Mm -hmm. it reminds me of how important and special it is to be with people. Mm -hmm. So it would fuel it. I don't think I would necessarily, although there is another side to that. I've said this before, but when Mulaney, I said to Mulaney, this is 10 years ago, I was like, what's it like to be single? Because I was getting divorced. And he said, you you get a lot of work done. Mm -hmm. And that can be true. Yeah. But... What we're finding, talking about all the spaciousness and this inner work, the best Pete is the fed Pete. And I don't just mean food. I mean, he's fed with love. He's fed. So this, this idea of the uh, isolated person, I need my alone time. Mm-hmm. But if, I, if it's, it's like those days where you have 24 free hours mm-hmm. and you have to go to the post office and you have to do your laundry and you have to do this. and But you're so overwhelmed, so you do nothing. Yeah. I prefer clearly as I think we all do to have my emotional needs and my social needs met so that I can have elective alone time and when it comes to that I like a lot of it like I'd like a nice four hour chunk because it takes me about an hour to really get into a place where I actually consider it productive work but for loneliness I mean what what comes to mind for you yeah I was just thinking it's like well um, there are, it's tricky because it is like, what resources do you have? Like the first thing I'm thinking is like, if you're feeling lonely, the the most surface level advice is like, you know, is there anybody that you can call when you feel lonely? I, I am somebody who really benefits from my close friend group and seeing them every week. And, um, and so yeah, for quarantine me it's, it's, has been it's challenging. Yeah, that's I call right. Mike Birbiglia, I call him most days. And that was, for me, it's not loneliness as much as it's a loss of identity in a triad, which is our family. Yeah. So I have those friends that I can call. So that's a type of loneliness, believe it or not, that gets solved by having what my, sorry, did I? No. It's like what I heard from your answers. Like you got to find those people that have shared values. Meaning for me, a good time is me and Kumail playing Street Fighter. Mm-hmm. So I'm an indoor kid. I also sometimes like hike, so I'd have friends that would want to do that. Mm-hmm. But like finding those people who value the same type of comforting that yeah. you value is really yeah. nice. That's but staying right. away from those ones, I would sometimes get those friends that are like, let's go out and get booked up. And like those ones never lasted. Last, for sure. If you have to be in an altered state of mind to be with a friend, that's right. not super sustainable. Um, but I'm assuming that you mean maybe, I, maybe you don't, but like specifically in this time of, of quarantine, which is a very isolating time for people this time of COVID. Um, so for me, things that I have done is I have a friend group that I zoom do Zoom calls with every week, and I like stick with it every week. That's great advice. And I, uh, another friend of mine does. She has like a call a group of college buddies where she they just have a dance party. She makes a playlist. She shares the music on Zoom, and they just dance together. So yeah. you don't even have to talk. Um, if you're lonely because you don't necessarily feel like you have any friends or people that you identify with um 
I, when I was in a state kind of like that, I made a project for myself where for me it was every night of the week I would pick a different um, foreign film and then I would cook a cuisine that matched that foreign film. And that was just like something to keep me busy after I came home from work that felt like my own special project that I could be proud of and then like have the comfort. I mean, I was definitely self-soothing with food and TV in that case, but you know, I was just trying to get through a specific time. Food and TV is great. Yeah. Um, And then if it's like a deep chronic loneliness, I think you could slow down with it. Ask yourself what you think that you need from other people. What do you get from other people? Um, and then see if there's something in you that can provide that That's yourself. true. That's the thing we always say. I used to think I had to be dating somebody to make a nice dinner. But it's yeah. like, no, yeah. make a nice dinner and, and really love yourself. And that sounds like such 1980s, I'm okay, you're okay, self-help nonsense. <laughs> but it matters. Yeah, just like I love going to restaurants. I mean, before this, I love going to restaurants by myself and just like feel like I'm taking myself out on a date and I always get her dessert and no, I get her wine. I would have come and flirted with you. <laughs> um, but the last part of it is what was I going to say? Um, Dumpty Dance? <laughs> oh, when Pete goes on tour, I often can, uh, because I was a latchkey kid, I can like spiral into being very afraid of being alone. And a mantra that I just try to stay on top of and constantly say to myself is, I am enough. I am all that I need. Oh, you know what I do is I'm home. Yeah. You're never not home. And and even though you might not believe it, if you say it to yourself 50 times a day, it yeah. starts to sink in. I sort of want to go back because I think Grant's question, what do you do with loneliness? And then are you ever more creative in isolation? Mm-hmm. Might be a clue as to where he's coming from. So I want to circle back and say... That even though, of course, I like how I am now, and that's a very privileged and and, uh, fortunate situation to have your needs met. When I wasn't, I just watched this. This is in Finding Joe. That's good advice. Watch Finding Joe. That'll that'll lift your mood. That's just good advice for anybody. That's just good advice. And there's this part where D.P. Chope says, think of a mythic figure and this can be a religious figure. It can be. Uh, it could be Paul Bunyan, but it can also be Kerouac. It can also be Arthur Miller, who wrote *Death of a Salesman* and like *Incomplete Isolation*. It can also be Richard Rohr, who writes his books on Hermitage. So I do that sort of stuff. If I like, I have to. I'm going to be going back and shooting a movie. It's one day, mm-hmm. and to do that, I'm going to have to quarantine for 14 days ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a lonely time. What I'll do, and it sounds like this might be where you're leaning, is I will embody and sort of step into the body of a hero of mine, mm. like somebody. Like Bukowski is tricky because he was a ripping alcoholic, but somebody like Richie. Who would Richie Rohr, which would write a book while he was uh, on the Linton Hermitage. And I would go like, this is like Richard. And he's so prolific and so profound. Or Thomas Merton, so beautiful when he's alone. And instead of going, and I feel myself doing this, instead of going, shit, I have to be alone for 14 days. I go, I'm going on a retreat. I'm going on a writing retreat. I'm going on a reading retreat. And, And having those little intentions, but also going like, this is sexy. I don't mean sexual. I mean, like, 
I'm like a bohemian. I'm like a guy who got a room in Montreal and wrote a novel. Yeah. So if that's those stories, yeah. I mean, for crying out loud, when I was starting doing stand-up, I used to take a lot of comfort in the story of Batman. He yeah. goes out at night. He helps people. Like, he, he's really Bruce Wayne, but he pretends to be this big, strong guy. Yeah. Uh, that's what it felt like doing stand-up. Yeah. So if there's a person or a fictitious character that you feel like you can embody. Yeah. And honestly, there were times when I felt like I was Hemingway and I would drink a little scotch and I would sit at my typewriter yeah. laptop and and crank out stuff whatever it takes to get you into a zone. Yeah. So if you're alone and trying to be more creative, if you're asking me is the story true that you can be alone and be creative, I would say find the place where that's true. Yeah. And if that is you smoking a cigar under on your porch or or on your balcony, then do that yeah. and just act like it's true and it will be true. I love that. There it was. That, There's the answer. That's great. Thanks, um, okay, I have a really good question from Junior Astronaut. Um, Nathan, I'll just say your first name. What if you want some privacy? <laughs> um, Val and Pete question. Okay, with embodiment, do you have any advice on how to hold contradicting feelings in the same area? The uh, leading question bit of it is my gut. <laughs> nice. The leading question bit of... of that means you listen to... The, I only yeah. ask leading questions. Yeah. Um, is that my gut is where I often feel intuition, but it is also where I typically feel anxiety. This makes it difficult to parse through the emotional feeling when the physical feeling is the same. Brilliant. I totally. Oh, I, I love this question. That, yeah. um, I think the rest is, is nice just work. like con- compliments, which we also appreciate, but... I just a little self-indulgent to read those. No, read it. Uh, so, uh, oh, I, I have an answer please, for this. Please, my do you love. Want... I'm sorry. I, I, sometimes I, I think I'm going to lean back. <laughs> sometimes I think I'm going to lean no, back. Sometimes I think it helps that I I use my gift to gab to buy you some time, but please. No, I'm it's excited. It's not because I want to go first. <laughs> um, oh, my gosh. I'm just kidding. I really relate to this. Kudos, by the way, for knowing where your intuition lives and knowing where your anxiety lives like that's such I mean just that step is huge in embodiment yeah is just knowing where the feelings live um and I would say the same is for me and um oh well here's what I have to offer to it I am um really working on my stomach right now and the things that it holds and I have always felt that like my child self lives in my stomach and that my trauma like got induced when I was pregnant because that was like moving organs and areas of my stomach around. Mm. So I think a lot lives in your stomach. And then I just recently found out, and maybe I even said this in, in the, another podcast, that your in polyvagal theory, so your nervous system is broken down into, um, or parts of your nervous system are broken down into these three parts. Your ventral vagal, which I mentioned, is lives in your diaphragm, and that's where you feel regulated, and that's why screaming or singing helps. Um, your sympathetic, which is fight or flight, lives in like your middle back part of your spine, um, and there, these each one of these things are. Uh, they have a job, they have multiple jobs. So like your ventral vagal, I think is like, it is your heart and your lungs or something like that. 
Um, and then your dorsal lives in your stomach. And so dorsal is like feelings of, of loneliness and despair and, um, and deep, like not just fear, but like terror. Um, and people, when they're, they're really identified with their dorsal, um, they feel like I am lost and no one can get to me, which is, is what I have shared that I've felt, um, in my like deepest darkness. Um, so I think just knowing that and identifying kind of part, um, parsing them out. So if I were you, I would sit with your stomach, with your hand on your stomach in these moments and, um, and like identify the anxiety and what the anxiety feels like. And, and then maybe even ask the anxiety if it is trying to protect something specifically, it might be trying to protect whatever truth your gut is trying to tell you. Like maybe that's a scary truth. Um, and just try to talk to both of them until they maybe reveal themselves as two separate things and, and parse it out. Mm, That's lovely. Um, and then you can, you know, you can get, so what's valuable about those three parts is that you have those three stories happening inside you at each moment. So you can say, okay, the dorsal story is that I'm going to be alone forever or something like that. And then the, the, um, fight or flight is like, I can't let anybody too close because they'll hurt me. And then what's the ventral vagal story? Wow. That story is okay. Actually there is a such thing as true love or, um, I have experienced love and I, it is safe to open up that kind of thing. I love that. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I think that's a great, mine was just Sam or seem, seem our Australian friend seem. Mm-hmm. She was telling me that I'm a gut person, and she's like, you need to trust your gut. Go ahead and trust your gut. That's terrible. And um, she said, this is the tip that I'll give you, because anxiety and gut, obviously, I feel them in the same place, too. Your gut can be so much clearer if you ask it either either or questions. And that's just true for me. I don't know if that'll be true for you. Mm. So if it's like, do you, if I say, what do you want for dinner? I might not know. But if you say, do you want Chinese or do you want Italian? I, I'll have a much clearer thing. Yeah. I also think it's it's okay to be a little bit scare, scared uh, to go into your gut. When mm-hmm. I ask my gut a question and I get this weird answer back, you have to be like, have veto power and be like, I don't think that was correct. And you can kind of try and center yourself and maybe ask it again later, like a magic yeah. eight ball. Because yeah. sometimes you're just like, I don't know if that was my gut or if it was my brain pretending to be my gut. Yeah. But for me, it's, it's been helpful to split gut decisions into, mm. like when we were looking to buy a house a very long time ago, and it was like, yeah. should we buy it or should we or should we keep looking? Yeah. Not just should we buy it or should we not, but should we buy it or should we keep looking? My gut had a really easy time with an either or, as opposed to, should we buy it? Yeah. It's like, uh. And to use that example and something that we also learned from Seam, this is, did you say it's human design? No. It's like a, a, a reading that we had. But anyway, it uh, we both benefit from, and not everybody is like this, but you can try it on and see if you are, um, from where we have emotional centers. 
So we both benefit from if we have to make a decision, for example, giving ourselves like 24 hours and really feeling into each option and what it would feel like to choose each option. So when we were buying the house, our friend gave us great advice um, to like get still and feel what it would feel like if we bought the house. What would that feel like if we got the call that we have the house and really feel that? And then if we got the call that we didn't get the house and really feel into that um, and just trust that your body knows the answer. Mm, Lovely. Um, uh, I have another great question, but it's kind of a, a longer one. I'm trying um, to scroll down so it's not just the people that asked most recently. Yeah, this one, this person I communicated with, and because I definitely think we should answer. Um, but you know what? I'm just kind of thinking we should wait until we have a lot more time. Um, somebody asked, oh, what was it? It's so good. Let me see. It was about how we were going to teach about sexuality. Here we go. We'll both look for a good question. Okay. I got Okay. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Um, Okay. Kenzie Krantz said, I'm curious how you will or are... Kenzie! (laughs) Kenzie! Krantz! How you will address sex and sexuality with your daughter... It's something I've been thinking about lately for my own future children, and I value your and Pete's parenting opinions. That just seemed like a fun one. It is a fun one, yeah. Uh, I just recently found a great quote on Instagram. I wish I knew where it came from that said, um, we need to stop teaching girls not to have sex and start teaching them how to have great sex, Mm. Um, which I feel like is... Kind of that in a nutshell. Like, I am really excited. One of the best gifts of parenting, and you have to try to, like, not overdo it and swing too far the other way. But one of the healing qualities of parenting is that you can kind of reparent parts of yourself. Yes. And I am so excited to tell Leela, and she'll probably hate some of these things. (laughs) Like, I'll probably be the parent who's, like, overly body positive. But... Um, I'm so excited to tell her things like her body um, is so special and unique and that nobody knows her body better than she does, that she is completely in charge of her body and that when it comes to having sex, to check in with her body and feel if she feels safe, if she feels respected, and if at any point she doesn't, she can stop it. It doesn't matter how far she is into it. And that if she inevitably makes decisions that don't feel good to her body, to have compassion that she's learning this and that's okay and that we've all done that. Um, And I think, like, early on, we're just going to be very body pause. Well, she's got a very powerful no already. Yes. And I'm very careful about that. That's Mm -hmm. like with the pants. It's like at a certain point, I don't ever want to teach her that, like, and maybe some people with older kids are laughing or or might find this funny um, because I know there, there may be more difficult challenges coming up. Yeah. But for the first two years, we've been very careful about letting her know that her voice matters. Yeah. And and when she does say what she wants, uh, rewarding that. Yeah. And when she um, says stop yeah. and it's in my power yeah. 
to not, let's say, force her into the car seat, then I won't force her into the car seat. Yeah. And and we talked about this before, but like saying to her, I say to her all the time, and I hope I don't get emotional. Sometimes I get emotional thinking about this stuff, but I say, <laughs> stay connected. Mm-hmm. And I'll look at her and I'll say, look at me. She's only two and she does. Yeah. And I say, can you take a, a deep breath? And she, and she does. does. She takes a yeah. deep breath. And that's that's not bragging. That's me saying, like, let's stay in our bodies. Let's stay in in the moment as much as we can because I, I know that life starts sweeping you away and that can be like a, a, a risky and iffy situation. Yeah. But, I mean, you've been very good with me about this, Val. It's like that whole stereotype of, like, that's, you know, you have to get through me to get my daughter and stuff. I'm trying to teach discernment and empowerment so that she can make good choices for herself. Yeah, Even like Chris Rock's, I got to keep her off the pole sort of thing. That's just a man owning a female sexuality. It's just a joke. I just want to say, in case anyone wants to pounce on Val, she's married to a comedian. She understands jokes, but I'm just saying like that there is a, a hint of that there, right? Yeah. So... I've tried in my brain, in my dad brain, to try and stay as fluid and as elastic as I can. Mm -hmm. So even to the point where if I think about Leela having sex, I'm not repulsed. I go, I hope she loves it. I hope she enjoys it. That's helpful to me. I know this might be strange for her to maybe hear one day, but I'm like, (laughs) yes, just as I want for me and as I want for you, she's a human being. Mm -hmm. And, and so if my, you know, the imp of the perverse, the brain likes to throw weird thoughts and weird ideas at you and trying to go like, that's not weird. Mm -hmm. The idea of my daughter being a sexual thing isn't weird. It's not something to be afraid of. Intimacy and love and sexuality. When Rob Bell read my book, he was like, I wish someone had told you when you were a kid, it's okay. Like, this is okay. And it was very emotional for me. And I'd like to give her as much of that as possible. But when it comes to the keeper off the pole, I've tried to be like, if she went in my, the, I can go to like a burlesque place. You know what I mean? If our empowered, (laughs) beautiful daughter is like, I found a lot of expression and freedom in, in using, let's put it this way. It always helps to put yourself in that situation. I am pretty positive that if I had been a, a woman growing up, I would have loved to use my sexuality because what I found special about me wasn't like curves and not that this is the only thing women can have of value. I'm just saying if I had been a curvy woman, of course I would have been like, let's do some burlesque. Like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Like the, the fun of that, yeah, that being in charge of that titillation and stuff. So like, it, it always comes down to trying to keep in mind that she is not my property. She is That's a human it. being. That's She's it. not even my daughter. Mm-hmm. I am, as Rob says, I'm launching a rocket. That's right. It's my job to make sure it's a safe launch. Mm-hmm. I want to keep it an informed launch. She yeah. should have access to all the materials that she can have, meaning like the NASA books are on the shuttle. Uh, and, and, and as much as I can, and I don't know if this will work, but there's that great Bill Burr bit where he's like, find one like me, like me, he says to his daughter, find one like me. Yeah. That's the best example that yeah. we can give is trying to show her yeah. what it feels like to feel safe. And if, if, if someone's saying stay connected when they're 
putting them in a car seat, yeah. not just when they're two, when they're three, four, five, and older, stay connected when we're finding discord. Yeah. That person is, in my belief, is not going to tolerate a, bo- a boyfriend or, right. or a girlfriend that is not engaging with them. That's that will, right. the, the, the smell will be in her palate. That's the right. smell of not just danger, but the smell of like, this isn't authentic to me. I don't like this. There's a beautiful moment. I, I love that. And I love that you're Leela's dad. And I think that is really an important part of this. You modeling it. are the father. <laughs> and then I'm just like, yeah, no, I know. Yeah. Yeah, I know. She looks just like me. Yeah. Um, there's a She's great moment with Lara Bites, who is her episode out. Yeah, it is. She's great. She is your opener and she's our dear friend. Lara? Yeah. And um, at one point we were, I think it was when we were in North Carolina, uh, me and Leela and Lara were like just wandering the halls of the hotel. And then she, we ran into you and Leela went like, Dada. And you just like gave your biggest smile and like ran to her. And Lara was like, can you imagine the secure attachment mm. that she's having right now to see like the male in her life so excited to see her when he just saw her like an hour ago mm. and like the standard that that is setting and that's heteronormative she might be with a, a woman she might be asexual whatever but like she will she has yeah. seen love whatever she and does experienced love. it would hopefully just be who she is it won't be because of a wound in this way. That's right. That is my hope. And you are exampling, like, respecting her body and not trying to own her body. And I want to be an example of, like, having a firm no and honoring my boundaries. And I think that if she sees those two things, we can we can only hope that she... And also loving our bodies and... Yeah, and that's trusting right. our bodies. I think. Well, that's that's I, that was one of the things when I had to cry on crashing. I would think about which is Kate Winslet mm-hmm. would stand with her daughter and say, "Aren't we lucky to have curves?" Yeah, and that's one of my triggers. I know it's so to sweet. make me cry. Here's one from Benjamin J. Milne. I was just talking to a friend today about how Benjamin is one of my favorite boy names. Oh, I thought you knew Benjamin J. Milne. No, nope. forgive me if it's Milne, but I think it's Milne. <laughs> uh, he's in Glasgow. And he says, which is cool, what uh, what album or simply a song best sums up your life? Oh, I'm writing it now. Uh, <laughs> I was born in... No, okay. What song always gets me is Time to Move On by John. Uh, such a good choice. Because it's like, it's, it's, a, it's a very like, the moment is always your launch pad to, to move forward. Mm. And I, I'm really interested in new directions and, and infinite possibilities. Mm. So when he says, under my feet, baby, grass has grown, it's like I've been standing here too long. Mm. And one of the things I find so intoxicating about the spiritual path is it's like, drop everything. You get these new mm-hmm. concepts, and in the end, all of the concepts. Ramana Maharshi says, the concepts were the, the stick we were stoking the fire with, but in the end, you put the stick in the fire. Mm. Isn't that beautiful? That's so beautiful. So your method is the stick that you're getting the fire going with, but once the fire is going, you put the stick in and you drop everything. So time to move on is like, it's beautiful. It's Ram Dass saying, make friends with change. Yeah. It's like my body's getting older. It's, it's, I wake up and I'm creaky and cracky oh. and all these things. And it's like, yes, it's, it's good to move on. It's good. And it's a great song to, 
to you know die to it's like yeah. it's time to move on it's okay it's 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 the Tao it's like there's a time to be up there's a time to be down there's a time to be flush there's a time to be broke there's a time yeah. to be happy there's a time to be sad and there's a time to be alive and there's a time to be dead but one thing that's happening and this is what the momentum of life feels like is it's moving on mm. even what we're talking about is gone you know so it's just like it's move on so I love it also just the way that song sounds is yeah. sonically very pleasing to me and Val does a great version of it um that's very sweet uh, God, that's such a good answer. I'm like kind of furious, and You're I want to like. That it wasn't the national. I want. I want to opt to like change my mind. Uh, but the first song that came to mind, it's not as profound as that, but um, is "Orange Sky" by Alexei Murdoch. Oh, that's which our is song. one of our songs. Um, but just because it's like. I'll play Bro- a little bit. Brother and sister, that's in your beautiful. love, my salvation lies in your love, and it's like. For me, that's everything, right? Like, love is everything. It makes me think of when I had my concussion and we were driving down Big Bear. Yeah. And I was so foggy and I couldn't believe that you were, like, hanging out with me because I was so dull. I had had, everybody knows, it's been listening for years, that I had this concussion and I thought I wasn't funny for, like... Six, eight months? Yeah. It's horrifying. I know. You thought you were gone. I thought I was gone. Was so sad. And it was like when we were newly dating, kind of. That's right. And I was like, this girl still <laughs> just likes hanging out with me. And we listened to this song. Yeah. During the sunset. Yeah. It's a great sunset song because it's about sunsets. And it really feels like um, this is it. Like, this is, we are meant to. This is another beautiful thing about the nervous system is that we aren't just meant to co-regulate when we're babies. We're meant to co-regulate always. And we need each other. We need each other to heal. We need each other to survive. We need each other to, to like, be our best selves. Yeah. So in your love, my salvation lies in your love. It's not just, like, a codependent anthem. It's, like... In your capital L love. Yeah. Like this existence runs on love. Yeah. That's the fuel. He, there, that's a lyric. I'll skip it. <laughs> it Where takes it? a while. It gets to it towards the end. When I miss you, you love. There it is. That was a good one. It's a good one. Oh, and a good question. So thank you to Benjamin. I mean, I hate to be this person. Is it six? Has it been a long time? I think it's been close to two hours. Wow. But this was a great one, my love. This was so good. Thanks I'm going to pick a random question. Thanks for going deep with us, you guys. You two seem so unjealous of each other, yet secret, yet securely attached. I know, I was going to say, yeah, secretly very jealous. It's really a beautiful thing to observe. How do you guys, how do you think you guys have that? You know, someone else asked a question about, like, didn't you guys used to be open or whatever? Mm, and somebody else asked a question about how we handled being long distance. <laughs> which was, kind of annoying. which was like, the time we were open was because we were long distance. Mm-hmm. And because we saw each other so infrequently, I would occasionally go on a date or whatever. 
Um, it wasn't just you. Yeah, there were other. There's other aspects that we're keeping personal, but um, I just didn't want it to seem like <laughs> you oh, were yeah. the only one doing it. No, sure. And but it was never. What the reason I bring it up is because what stayed on was that feeling of like, as we've said many times, conceptually open. Right. Like we're not open, but we have a, a good understanding of, like we were saying about Lee, like any relationship, I don't own you. Yeah. I want good for you. That's right. And this is something Katie said, Byron Katie says, it's like, if somebody says, I want to leave you, it's like, I'll help you pack. I love you so much. I'll help you pack. Yeah. That is so against the American Western mythology of like, win them back and, and, right. and, stand with the boom box and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But like, it's one of these great things. The looser I hold you, the more firmly I feel secured to you. That's right. Oh, that's perfectly put. And it is not, I'm like, we definitely have moments where we are feeling very, yeah. (laughs) I get jealous. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's not for us. I I feel like it's just more like possessiveness. It's possessive. Like I'll be, I'll get, we talked about this, that one of the times that we had a, a, a rough conversation Mm -hmm. was because I felt that you neglected me at a dinner where you were paying more attention to one of your friends. Unfortunately, my inner baby is, is is a baby. I love him. Let me talk to the manager, please. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's a great way to do but it. But he pouts. Like, that's yeah. what he does. He helped pout to try and protect something. Yeah. Um, but I also remember coming home and you were cooking and oh, with yeah, a guy friend of ours. And it wasn't... I didn't even know it would bother me. So for all my, like, when you're living here and I'm living here, maybe there's some sex happening with other people. Um, when we were living together and I came home... And there was someone else in our kitchen, but you can hear the ego work, our kitchen. It's just a, you know, Yeah. I just, I remember talking about it in therapy and Dr. Gary Penn, whose book is available now, said it wasn't the right optics. And I liked that. I like to use political language. It just wasn't the right optics, meaning there was nothing wrong, Yeah. but I had to reserve the right to say to you, it just made me feel small. Yeah. Like it just made me feel wrong or yeah. icky. And you, whenever I show you my, what is it called? Your exile? My exile. Yeah. If I let him into the yard and say, my exile deep down thinks that he is unlovable. Yeah. Or, or weird. Yeah. Or that you're just pretending to like me or whatever it might be. Yeah. Oh, I have to share something. Please. Um, you've always, to finish that thought, you've always just, you knock it out of the park. So you want to talk about like why I can hold you so loosely is because whenever I check in with you Uh and come pull my car into the refuel station, the gas is premium. You go like, you're the only person I ever want to be with all all this sort of, but you mean it. It's not just... It's not just baloney, Johnny. Well, can I? I don't want you to forget what you're saying, but is it changing the subject? Because I feel like I. Yes, I'm going to put my wedding ring as I do on my pinky, and it will remind me of what I, what I want to say. Okay. Um, because I feel exactly the same way that, like, I mean, the real obnoxious answer is that both of us, like, feel like we kind of won the lottery and found, like, a very rare, true love that just seems like unbelievable that we found it and that doesn't mean that we don't have hard times or or things that we have to work through or that we don't work at this um but 
I think when you find that there is this element of, and I'm not like typically this kind of confident person, but there is like this underlying, like, what are you going to go out finding something better than this? Mm. Like this is gold. This is pure well, gold. Well, it goes back to the Leela thing. It's like if you've seen Stay Connected, if you've seen I Hear You, yeah. it's very hard to go to I don't connect and I don't hear. Yeah. And um, the other part of that is I... So I think this is... I don't want you to be the only one to share a time of jealousy. And somebody actually asked... I'm sorry that some of these questions we don't credit them because it's hard to find... But somebody asked about, um, about like how it felt to see you have, you know, do like sex scenes and stuff. Oh, I saw that question. Yeah. I, I, I hope we answered question. that because the answer is great. Yeah. So the first one with Jamie, um, so it's Jamie Lee, Jamie Lee is our, both of our like dear friends and it is somebody who you dated before. And I've it? had other GFs that couldn't stand that I was still in touch with Jamie Lee yeah, and would fly off at the mention of her name. And now I have a wife that that's a good sign. That's Mm -hmm. like sees her value and sees that Jamie and I were always meant to be friends. Like sometimes you're just dating somebody that you're like, no, you're just like a great, great friend. Just meant to be in each other's life. She's supposed to be with Dan. Have you met Dan? Dan Dan Black, one of the funniest, perfect people for him. That's what's supposed to be. But now I'm just supposed to, you know, not have this friend. That's stupid. That's a disservice. So that one was actually the only ex I'm still friends with. (laughs) It was actually the easiest one for me. It was like no problem because she is our dear sweet friend and I love her so much. And like we know her, we love her husband and I don't know that. And so that was like the first big sex scene. Um, And this is a fun story. We, it was her idea. It was, I was in the, your dressing room and she was in her dressing room and she came in and was like, I'm going to get, it was right before you were supposed to shoot. And she was like, I'm going to get some tequila. Do you want to take shots of tequila with yeah. me? And I was like, yes, that's perfect. So it just like more than the like alcohol, which it was just a little bit of tequila. So like nobody was drunk. It was like this, this bonding ritual for her and I to like, that's exactly have our right. relationship. Stay connected. Stay connected. Keep Val. You're able to do it. Not everybody could do that. It's a sure. real credit to you. And but a credit knowing, to Jamie. No, for sure. it's it's a credit to openness and everybody acknowledging I think we can handle this so if you can handle it if you can see the cosmic joke we used to date and now we're pretending we're dating on a TV show basically playing ourselves and our husband and wives are here um, it's a party it's like life this is fucking weird. weird if you can get into that place at Thanksgiving where you're like Jesus Christ, Uncle Steve is drunk. Uh, I'm pretty sure she's on pills. This guy's asleep. If you can go like, what a weird dream to be having. Yeah. Then you, then you can enjoy anything. So then you did sex scenes with other people and it was always fine. And then the only time there was like a little bit of jealousy, you had done sex scenes with Maddie Weiss, who is fantastic. And I love her so much. And it was the same Weiss. kind of thing. Wise. Did I say Wise? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Wise. Wise. Madeline Wise. Madeline Wise. The great Madeline Wise. She, kid Wise. Um, and that also helped that we 
she and I were f- friends and were would riff and really enjoy each other. So I didn't mind, but I was like eight months pregnant. Oh yeah. <laughs> and so there was one day where you guys were shooting like not comedy sex scene, like very intimate sex scene. Yeah. And I, I don't remember what had happened that day, but I was just like, <laughs> just like, like a giant, like clopping around New York all day, just feeling puffy and sweaty and so gross. And like, like came after you guys had had your, the sex scene and was hearing from everybody how intimate and like intense it was yeah. and just feeling so like big and fat and pregnant. And it was late and I was tired. And, um, and I think also that day, like funnel, like somebody had mentioned, Maddie's age and I found out she was younger than me and I just kind of was laughing at how everything was just like Mm. like a sitcom like piling and all that happened was I recognized those feelings I recognized that I was just in a very vulnerable place and um and I think I just told you I was like I'm having like kind of some complicated feelings about this but I think that they'll pass we'll see how I feel in the morning and in the morning, I they were totally gone. Mm. Um, and I even watched that sex scene and thought it was like really beautifully shot. <laughs> it, was Gil- it was Gillian. I too. love Gillian. Yeah. And I think no, it was in the script. It was in the script. Yeah. Meaning the sex but scene. But she specifically, I think, but was she like, wanted I to wanted be... to be nice and lovely and yeah. not just. She uh, wanted to be like funny. Don't Look Now. Oh yeah. The, um, Donald Sutherland. Yeah. Uh, movie. Um, well, that was lovely. Thank you for sharing yeah. the second part. I forgot about that one. Yeah. You also know your boy is weird. Yeah. That stuff doesn't... It's really helpful. I, w- I would feel more <laughs> betrayed if you were riffing bits. Absolutely. Although, I mean, like, shoe, other foot, it's an interesting experiment, but why wouldn't I be okay with it? Like, that, I think, is the patriarchy. It's like, yeah. but that's my property. That's right. I was actually thinking today about how holding a door for a woman is a beautiful thing, can be a nice thing, but it sort of leads to a belief system where it's like, I protect you, right? That's right. Which leads to me saying... You can't have an abortion. Uh-huh. Like I was just doing a thought experiment. I was like, that's sort of where that comes from. I'm not saying it's in itself a bad thing, but yeah. we're watching so much transparent and there's so much feminist theory. I was like, oh, I was kind of getting in touch with a part of me that was like, oh, I get it. If I think you need me to open the door, or pull the chair out, that's me saying, let me let me take care of your body. Good uh-huh. on one hand, but taken too far, it's like let me tell you what's best. For, for your, your body. body, sweetheart, let me get you an iced tea because you're you're hysterical right now. That's exactly right. I've never been more proud of you. <laughs> Ooh. I wish it was louder. I tried to do a musical cue joke and it was really quiet. <laughs> and then it slowly turns up. I want to thank the listeners of We Made It Weird. This has been Valerie and Cheney, sweet lady Val. Uh, as we always say, this is the only thing we can do right now for work. So please go to livinglibations.com slash weird and get yourself some skincare oh, that's as good as you deserve. That's right. And in the meantime, keep it Okay, we're done. <laughs> <laughs>
It's still recording, yeah? Yeah, I like these little NPR moments. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> My ice game make you haters wanna get mad.